Have you ever witnessed something that you couldn't forget? A couple of nights ago, um, actually in the afternoon, uh, I received a phone call. Um, well, the Laura and I had, uh, we had ordered a cabinet um, back in October. And it was the one final kind of piece of furniture uh, that we needed in our, in our living space. There had just been this big empty space on the wall, and we knew that this cabinet would be perfect. And so when we uh, ordered the cabinet, what we didn't expect is that it would be back ordered until April of 2022, supply chain. And so we were set on this particular cabinet, this was perfect. We didn't want anything else, and so we were going to wait. But then we received a phone call. There was a store in Austin, a brick and mortar store, that had a floor model of this cabinet. And they were going to be selling it. And if we wanted it, we just needed to come pick it up. We could get it that day, and it would be 40% off. And I thought, this is a Christmas miracle. <laughs> now, another confession is that Laura and I, before the pandemic, were the kind of people who would get home from work and change our clothes and go out and do fun things at night. But since the pandemic, we have become the kind of people who just like to stay at home. It's very difficult for me, once I get my sweatpants on, to put anything else on. In fact, watch out, because I may start wearing black sweatpants with my clerical. I'm just kind of so used to being comfortable. And so I was not wanting to make this drive, but knowing that this was going to save us some money and cut down months of waiting for this particular cabin, I thought, Laura, let's go ahead and let's get the car. And so at 3.45 in the afternoon, we decided to make the drive from San Antonio to Austin, knowing that we were probably going to spend two and a half hours on the road just to get there. Much to our surprise, it was just clear. I mean, we just drove there without anyone in our way. It was amazing. Another second Christmas period. <laughs> and we arrived at the store, and we got the cabinet, and we got it loaded up, and I just expected them to tell us, oh, we meant plus 40%. No, everything went smoothly when we got there. And we got it in the car, and we started to drive back, and we made it to Buda. Native Texas, did I pronounce that correctly? <laughs> and we stopped for gas. And got some food from a drive-thru, and we got back on the road. And if you've ever driven through there, you'll know that right after the big Pabella stores, I think that's how you pronounce that, <laughs> you kind of merge onto frontage, and there's a bridge that goes across this interstate in the middle, another frontage, you know how interstate works. <laughs> and as we were sitting there in the farthest lane, out of the corner of my eye, I started to see sparks. I mean, I mean big sparks. I mean like like fill the sky kind of sparks. And everything kind of started to move in slow motion. And, and as I turned, I saw a large SUV tumbling top over bottom over top over bottom. It, just from when I saw it, it must have flipped three times. And another car involved, I, I couldn't quite make out what happened, came zooming past, and again, more sparks. And the only thing that stopped this car, this large SUV, from tumbling over the bridge into the interstate was this, was this concrete wall, kind of maybe the height of those stands out there at the labyrinth. And we were sitting at a red light watching this happen, and 
who spent the next mile or two wondering what in the world we should do. There was traffic lined up all in the opposite direction. There were seven or eight lanes of traffic separating us from this accident. And we wondered if we should turn around or what we should do or call the police. And as in our rearview mirror, we could tell that there were lots and lots of cars that had stopped and they were getting help. But then for the next 45 minutes to an hour and 15 minutes on the drive home, I think we were just in total silence, except for Laura saying, sometimes it's really scary to drive. I don't know that there has been more than about 30 seconds over the last 48 to 72 hours where I haven't thought about this accident. Spent time on the internet, Googling, trying to find out if these people are okay, if they were injured, how many people were involved in it. I just, I have so many questions and my perspective is so limited because we were separated by distance, it was nighttime, and we weren't involved, but we were present, bearing witness to this huge catastrophic event in someone's life. This moment that would change everything possibly for someone, and in some small way, it has changed me. There's not a chance that I'll ever get back on that interstate again and not think about this accident that I witnessed. And so over the last couple days, I've thought about these life-changing moments these moments that stick with us, these moments that we can't ever forget to change our perspective and our way of living. And I thought about that this was something that I will never witness again. It was just a few moments in my life, and yet I was greatly impacted by it. And then I thought about the Christmas story that you and I have heard this morning. It feels like Sunday morning, this <laughs> afternoon. And how this, too, was a life changing moment in a family's life, but not just a family's life, in the life of the world. This is the beginning of maybe the greatest story, absolutely the greatest story that has ever been told and lived out. And how often do we read this story and we just kind of think, I already know what it says. Oh, I don't need to pay attention to this. I already, I already know what's going to happen. There's nothing else to learn. This is just a story about a baby being born in a manger. There's nothing else to glean from this. And yet, if we are honest with each other, there is so much more here than you and I, no matter if we have heard this for the first time today or the thousandth time, there is something to learn from this passage. And we can't get bored with it. We have to pay attention. And so this week, I found myself praying, God, give me new eyes and ears and even a new heart to hear this story anew. And what it is that you are trying to say to your people and what it is that you are trying to say to me in this moment. Do not let my ears and my eyes become deaf and blind to hearing this story and what it is calling me. We talked about this in adult formation on Sunday, but the scriptures work a lot like a mirror. We go to it and we look inside of these stories and we see reflections of ourselves. And I can say that you probably have not learned everything that there is to learn from a story until you can see yourself in every character that you encounter in these stories. 
And I want you to think about for the Christmas story this uh, this, today, tonight, how many rich characters there are in the story. There's this amazing story of a young family, a young woman who has found herself great with child, and it has happened in a way that no one has ever experienced before. A woman who has become married to a man in a brand new relationship has started that one of the first acts of their marriage is that an oppressive king or ruler has required them to travel a great distance in order to be counted. A trip that likely cost them probably all that they had. This was a poor, poor family. And not only this, but they get to the town and there's no place for them to stay. And so they find themselves in a manger, not the place that you would choose to have your child be born. But we listened to a scholar this Sunday morning who said, no, this was actually probably good news. A family this poor likely would not have even been able to afford this manger. This was a kindness. Again, sometimes we are blinded by our own privilege and prosperity when we approach these passages. And then, of course, there are the shepherds. The very last people who you would think would receive the announcement of a coming king, much less the savior of the whole world. And as I read this passage this week, I thought, at the center of the story, I think for me this year, in my reading of it, is relationships. That the way that salvation comes into the world is through relationships. It doesn't come in a vacuum. It doesn't exist in just one person. But it is through these relationships that these people and we find salvation. And I found myself wondering, why in the world? Why in the world, if God is all-powerful, would God not just send Jesus into the world fully grown? Have you thought about that? Why wouldn't Jesus just arrive on the scene, a full-grown person, ready on day one to begin his ministry, without the messiness of life attached to it, without needing to be raised up and cared for, without needing to have his diapers changed and meals provided for him, without having to send him to school and worry about if people are going to pick on him, without wondering if he's going to be different from everyone else he is around. Knowing what Mary knew, she had to be worried that he was going to be an outcast of some sort. Why in the world would God choose to send the Savior into the world in this way? Because relationships are messy. And wouldn't it be easier to not put a family through the pain of watching their son grow up and begin a public ministry where he is ridiculed and challenged by the powerful and the religious elite? And then one day have to watch him be crucified. Why in the world would God choose to do it this way? And I'll tell you today that I, I don't have all the answers, but the only thing that I can comprehend, the only conclusion that I can come to, is that it had to happen this way. Because how else would you and I relate to a Messiah? How in the world would we relate to a Messiah that was not human? It had not been through the things that you and I have been through. It has not been through the messiness and complexities of life. It has not experienced the joy and sorrow and broken heartedness of being alive. 
You and I, for the last two years, have experienced something unlike, unlike probably any of us have ever experienced before. And the way that we have made it through is through relationships. You've tried to do this alone for the last two years. Well, you have traveled, traveled a tough road, and I'm glad you're here tonight. So I think for me, in my reading this year, in my own understanding, this is a story about how salvation comes to the world. Not through a Savior that decides to save us from a long distance, or a safe distance, or a distance where he does not do dirty himself, but a Savior who joins us, who comes to be with us so that we can be with God. And in that action, that, that movement towards us, we also find, I think, our Christmas calling. Because as God moves close to us in our own messiness, and troubles, and hurt, and pain, we find our calling to move towards those people in our lives who are hurting, who are lonely, who are broken. So let us be the church that realizes that calling, to be the ones who follow Christ, not from a safe distance, but in the proximity of danger and trouble and moments that we will think about for the rest of our life. Let us be the kind of people who follow God to be with the people who need us most in the way that God has come to be with us. Amen. Amen.